Welcome to the Triple F Podcast, where we're focused on fashion, fitness, and of course food. This podcast is all about bringing these three parts of your life together to help you get the most out of your passions. We're here to help you look your best, feel great, and also indulge in some maybe not-so-hidden temptations. We are by no means experts in any of these fields, but we do hope to bring to the show people who know what they're talking about and help you with some of these aspects of your life. You live life only once, so why not live a life worth living? On the show today, we have Jan Gerosby, co-founder of Suggest That. Suggest That app is actually the new app that's revolutionizing the restaurant review business. Utilizing video suggestions and customer referrals, people are able to get a better understanding of different restaurants that they are interested in trying out. This episode is amazing. Enjoy. So yeah, tell us what you do in one to two sentences. Sure. Um, so suggest that is a local search and uh, video recommendation application that leverages uh, the power of video to promote more truthful and honest feedback, uh, typically about restaurants, which is our main focus. So how is this different than Yelp? We are all videos and pictures. So content that's being uh, uploaded through our application has very minimal written-based reviews. And all content that users are recording are all videos. Okay, so is it more, I go to a restaurant and, you know, my friend who I go with, like, interviews me, like, what I think? Is it more just taking videos of food like you see on Instagram? What's what's kind of the optimal scenario for someone who's going to be uploading videos to suggest that? You know, that's actually a very good question. So what we have found based on how our users are using the application, it's actually a combination of both. So when people are taking pictures and also at the same time recording it via the video function, we're starting to see that not only are they just taking pictures for the sake of taking pictures, just like on Instagram or Snapchat, but as they start recording their experience, they start talking more about what they're ordering. They start talking more about how they feel about the place. You know, the value in our process is actually very simple. Um, video is starting to become the primary means of communication and content sharing. We're starting to see that more and more with the likes of, you know, Snapchat and, uh, and Instagram and Instagram stories, right? You know, so we took that approach and we transitioned it uh, into the review industry. And I'm, I'm not sure if you know, but you know, the, the review industry is literally riddled with discrepancies. And, and one of the biggest known issues that revolves around that industry is this idea of fake and erroneous reviews. Mm-hmm. And it's not that users or, or customers or, or the Yelpers or anyone else out there that write reviews about certain restaurants are creating these fake reviews. It's the fact that there are actual businesses and services out there that provide um, these these uh, these nefarious services, right? Um, you know, if you go on Craigslist, if you go on Fiverr, um, you know, you can search for these services on there, 
and, and, and they provide these services. And so uh, we wanted to fix it by incorporating video to open uh, the floodgates of transparency and promote the importance of creating social conscious communities because it's important that um, we are made aware of the consequences of these fake reviews uh, you know, and the effects that it has um, in our local communities. You know, and, and so we knew the complexity it took uh, to make this happen. And so, uh, you know, we, we also took into consideration how people would feel about it. So we decided to make the process fun and simple. Um, I, I'm, I'm, I don't know if, uh, you know, you were able to take a look at the application, but the way it works is we yeah, split. Using it, actually. Yeah, we, we split the screen in two and engage both the front and back camera. Um, fairly unique for a photo sharing app like ours. Um, so when you first use the camera, the back camera uh, gets engaged and users can use it to take a picture. So it's like capturing your experience. And upon taking a picture, um, the front camera or the selfie camera uh, gets engaged and it turns into a video so our users or yourself can start recording your experience. And, you know, the process of sharing that is also very simple where users uh, can either just share their suggestion internally through the app or they can also venture outside of the app and, uh, you know, share it on Facebook, on Twitter. You can even email it to a friend or, or two. Um, users can also create their own groups inside the application, meaning you can invite your friends to download the app and befriend one another. And from there, uh, you have the option to share your suggestion to that specific person. So let's say, for example, uh, you know, I go to a seafood place and you just so happen to be allergic to seafood. Um, you know, I wouldn't share that suggestion with you. I would just share it to someone who's privy to seafood. Right. Right. And so that's that's the type of environment that we were able to create uh, through suggest that as we started learning more and more about the habits of our users, you know, once we launched. That makes a lot of sense because, like, I've been on Yelp reviews or other review, like, sites on, you know, like Google, something where we decided we are going to go to dinner or lunch, and you have no idea who's writing the review. Like, is it someone, like, if I took my parents, my brother, like, right for my birthday to some, like, sushi restaurant, they would probably write, like, a really terrible review, like, oh, the sushi was, like, cold and whatever. But, like, I love eating sushi. They hate eating sushi. They don't like seafood. So, yeah. like, when you read it, it's like, what are you basing this off of? It's someone's opinion, but you know nothing about them. You know nothing about their preferences, and it's just hard to really decipher. I've spent so much time reading through tons of reviews trying to figure out, like, the actual results. I, like, kind of think it would make sense to understand what's going on there. And some people, like, like one or two sentences, oh, great food, great service, awesome. Takes yeah. 10 seconds. Some people write, like, for, like, 20 minutes because they have nothing better to do with their time. And you don't know <laughs> the difference between if it's good, bad, or, like, legitimate. Sure, sure, absolutely. And and, and the, the the most important thing to take away from that as well, JP, is, is the effects it has on the actual restaurant that you endorse or that you adore, right? Because for every negative rating that a restaurant receives may, may it be uh valid or invalid the fact remains is that it requires 10 to 12 positive ratings to distinguish 
you know, the uh, the damage that that one negative rating, um, you know, have have created. And and within that, uh, every negative review that restaurants receive, their bottom line gets affected by 15 to 20 percent. I mean, it decreases by that much. Mm -hmm. And so if your restaurant is making, you know, $100,000 a month in, in sales and revenue, 20 percent of that is is down the drain and so i mean twenty thousand dollars is twenty thousand dollars right <laughs> there's no there's no going around that and uh you know we we just need to understand that a lot of these um these services are are out there and there are cells um offshore that specifically focus on that and and we've I, I don't know if you've read the, the most recent one where Amazon um, are now they're, they're now cracking down on these, um, you know, on these services that are being offered online. And about a thousand uh, reviews that were deemed fake are now uh, in civil cases. Um, but the thing about that, though, is the way they are going about policing that whole thing is through you know certain algorithms and unfortunately it's not um it, it it's not proving to be as effective as they wanted it to be because of the uh parameters around you know how the algorithms are written and so to uh, I'm I'm saying that to say that you know you you can't get away from the transparency and the human emotion that you see on a video uh, as opposed to someone writing about something you know I can write I love this or I can say I love this and you can see the big difference you know? and I, I agree too that a video is really going to be more authentic because you just take Instagram say two or three years ago people wouldn't, you know, you're using filters and stuff on food, like, oh, this looks so good. But the filter is there to like enhance your thoughts of it. What, actually, <laughs> what it looks like. I mean, I could probably make some food like I made it at home look super good. And it's just, you know, I'm, I'm at, okay, cook some, but you know, I can throw some like junk together, make it look good. And like, oh, this is from like whatever, whatever restaurant. And people wouldn't know the difference because I have some cool Instagram filter on it. And I checked in to some restaurant that's like two blocks away from me. Yeah, no, I totally agree. <laughs> So how did you guys come up with this idea then? Um, you know, it, the 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 inception actually came from the movie Man of Steel. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I don't know if you're a Superman fan, but yes. I am. <laughs> and I, I remembered Superman Return coming out. It was a massive disappointment. I was very disappointed. And so when Man of Steel came out, and I found out that uh, the director was... Christopher Nolan, or I mean, uh, uh, the, the, the producer was Christopher Nolan, the director was, you know, Zack Snyder, right? And you got Hen Henry Cavill as the Superman. Um, I, that was when I knew, I'm like, oh my God. And then you've got Russell Crowe there. It was a massive buzz, uh, you know, when I was still working for the Department of Defense, um, you know, in, in my office at that time, because, you know, predominantly majority of my friends or my coworkers, you know, were also very excited about the movie. And I specifically remember the week uh, that it was going to come out. Um, we were very excited. And one of our friends uh, who 
likes to read about reviews. You know, he uses Rotten Tomato to uh, make his decisions. Um, I specifically remember him coming into my office uh, completely looking disappointed and, and, you know, said, you know what, they just gave it, I think it was a rating of like 32 or something like that, 32%. And <clears throat> at that time, you know, I was, I was, uh, you know, I, I, believed and listened to those sort of things and uh i i you know fell victim to that and i re I, I remembered you know not wanting to go you know i just wanted to wait for it in redbox or even at netflix and um at that time a friend of mine uh you know said hey you know let's go let's go watch it you know the worst that can happen is you hate the movie the best that, that can happen is you still had a good time mm -hmm. and so i said okay cool you know let's go Needless to say, I walked out of that theater. I mean, I loved the movie. I fell in love with it. Um, as a matter of fact, I I, I bought the uh, the Blu-ray. You know, I the the 3D Blu-ray. I don't even have a 3D player or a 3D. <laughs> you know, I I I mean, I instantly became a fan, and that was that was the. It wasn't a aha moment. It was, but it was more the uh, I wonder type of moments. You know, where I started to realize that whatever, whenever a person writes something online, it's it's specifically their own uh, opinion about it, right? But what we need to understand, though, is that it it holds an astounding uh, influence to our our decision as consumers whether we want to uh, purchase, you know, the products or services. And I started to realize that. You know, what if you couple that with video? What will happen? You know, what what if you open that opinion up, right? And you make it transparent. What will happen? And based on that, what what I found was it amplifies that power. It amplifies that influence, but uniquely creating transparency um, and truthfulness that no written review, you know, could ever capture, right? And so within that, I started formulating, um, you know, some some test groups. And so I decided to go out uh, in the streets in Michigan Avenue and just started asking people about how they would feel. And so I had these uh, I had these concepts drawn out in a uh, uh, an, an art um, one of those art pads those drawing pads. And I would just go up to random people. And to my surprise, it was it was actually received, um, you know, quite well. And and so from there, I'm like, okay, well, maybe, you know, I can build something, you know, around this concept and test it some more. And so we did. We created the the first um, wireframes and prototype. And uh, in the very beginning, we weren't called suggest that. You know, we were called video, video opinions. You know, that's that's what we were called. And and it, it didn't it didn't quite click, you know. And so uh, uh, we we changed that name we rebranded to suggest that and through much iterations um we we started merging uh the picture and video onto one single frame as opposed to before where it was uh you know it was it was separate it was you know it was an individual it was a separate uh function uh we we decided to glue it together and, and you know and then from there um you know we have what we see now as suggest that so 
a lot of people out there are pretty excited about becoming entrepreneurs, not working for someone else, things of that nature, launching their own app. Um, I personally have worked with quite a few people that, you know, tell me they have an idea, they ask for like my help suggestions. I'm willing to help like where I can and when I can with my, you know, quote unquote expertise, like maybe call it that, but just like just my general knowledge base of being in the industry for a couple of years. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people don't understand that it actually like, takes work and like what you're giving up. So you gave up, you know, working full time for the DOD to run this app. Can you kind of walk us through that thought process aside from just living off of hype for four or five days? Like, hey, we're going to like launch this app and be like millionaires next week. How did you yeah. actually take it more structurally, strategically? Uh, that's obviously been successful for you guys in the process of being successful, opposed to people who just kind of, you know, a week later, like kind of give up on their idea because they had, you know, 20 grand to build an app and now they're not like the next Zuckerberg. Right, right. Um, you know, the, the, the first thing, you know, that, that I consulted with, with myself prior to even, you know, doing any of this is, you know, is, is there a positive impact on this idea that I have? Um, and if so, what is it? Right. And, before even that, I mean, you know, is this even a problem? You know, am I, am I, am I solving an issue here? And, you know, as I start to gather more and more, uh, information, I start researching more and more about the situation in, in the review industry and how that's affecting, you know, different small businesses, um, Deciding on whether to do it or not became extremely easy. And I think it was Steve Jobs who who said it. And I think he said it the best. That if this day was your last day, would you want to do what you're about to do now? And putting that into motion, having that as, as my daily, you know, as my daily quote for the day, you know, made it even more uh, powerful to drop everything what I was doing and, and, and really pursue this. And then you top that off with all the restaurant owners that I've been fortunate to talk to and how they've shared their pain and experience with me, um, you know, on, on how they've been affected by, you know, these fake reviews online. I mean, at some point, you know, you have this revelation of, oh, my God, this is way bigger than myself. Mm-hmm. To have that as my daily driver, it, I mean, it, it just made so much sense. Yes, I was working for the Department of Defense. Yes, I was, you know, comfortable. But I felt that I needed to do something you know, else that actually helped people, you know, um, and, and what I was doing in, you know, during that time compared to what I, what I'm doing now, the impact of it is, is, you know, is astronomical. It's night and day in comparison, but the fact remains, it was still a very scary decision for me. Um, you know, when I decided, okay, I'm going to quit my job that pays the rent, pays the bills, <laughs> pays my student loans, and I'm going to go into this abyss where I can literally be spat out after a week or 
it might prove to be something so meaningful that, uh, you know, it might, it, it might, uh, you know, it, it might be an awesome ride for me. Um, and so, you know, I, I never got caught up into, you know, the whole, oh my God, uh, you know, Facebook can't, you know, comes out first two weeks, you know, 92% penetration in Harvard. You know, I, I never got caught up into that. Did I think about it? Yes, absolutely. Uh, did, did I daydream about it? Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, you know, it, it'd be it'd be very silly for me to say that, uh, you know, I didn't. Right. And and I, I think what made it more realistic was when I found 1871 saw the hustle and the struggles of all the entrepreneurs that are currently housed there. And that put a lot of perspective, it put a lot of things into perspective for me that it's not going to be easy. It will not be easy at all. And if it were, um, everyone would be doing it. And if it was, maybe it, it's not as meaningful or impactful as I thought it was going to be. And so as I go through that journey, I continuously ask myself, you know, is this impacting the lives of people in a positive way? And if so, what is it? Or am I just, you know, am I just another peg on the wall that looks exactly like everybody else? And, you know, so far, my question or my answers to those questions have proven uh, much more worthy, um, you know, than what it is. So, so I feel a lot of uh, important points people gloss over uh, when putting together an app. Uh, you touch upon, you know, the fulfilling needs, making a difference, things of that nature. Not just some cool random idea that like you and your buddy thought up on you know a weekend. But the thing that makes apps you know kind of sustainable is a revenue source. What is your revenue source, either now or in the future? Sure. Um, so we, we had, when, when we first started, uh, we, we were obviously very excited about it. Right. And, and we, we were researching about VCs, angel investors, and, you know, this crazy valuations and possibly becoming a unicorn one day. And we started to realize that in Chicago, having an app like this or having a product like this you know um chicago is not very welcoming to it right we 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 got shut down probably over 20 times um you know we we met with uh you know different vcs around chicago we even spoke to some uh you know that were in uh, dallas texas austin and we started to realize that there, there's, there's a new meaning to this called traction. You know, when, when, when you're pitching to these investors, they continuously ask you, what's your current traction? And pe people nowadays misconstrued what that means. They think that, oh, it's your user base. It's your daily activity users. Uh, you know, it's your monthly activity users. Um, you know, it's the content that's being created. Not anymore. Um, before it was. Right. Uh, you know, before when, you know, the, the likes of Facebook and Twitter started coming out and they, they just blew up out of nowhere. Somebody can just come up with an idea and, you know, the, the so-called traction can be defined as 100,000 users, 
10,000 users, a thousand users, a million, right? Now it's not, it's no longer like that. Um, you know, a lot of these investors, they're more, uh, they're, they're, they're focusing more on the dollar sign as the, uh, as, as the traction definer. And so once we started learning that and, and, you know, thanks to Bunker Labs, which is the incubator that, that, uh, we're currently in, it's the veteran owned incubator inside 1871, mm -hmm. um, we started to realize that in 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 orders in in order for us to really prove our value there needs to be a dollar sign on it it can't just be a speculative number right it has to be something that's proven it's it's data that is tangible it's it can be seen uh and and it can be uh it can be understood and so what we started doing was we started dissecting our own product and in and uh you know tried to see the value, uh, you know, in, in, in our platform. And what we have found is that instead of going from business to consumer, it's easier for us to go from business to business. Mm -hmm. And what we found in that is we bring so much value to these restaurants through the services and data that we're able to capture on our platform that we can monetize that. And we monetize that, um, that, that revenue model through uh, a subscription-based model um, where restaurants can pay uh, us a monthly subscription and in the end they would receive meaningful data and these data um, let me let me put it like this unique to suggest that is how we are able to capture who people are referring restaurants to who these people are where they're from, are, are they relevant referrals? Because the biggest opportunity right now in all restaurants is you've got your existing and you've got your potential customers. When we were talking to these restaurants, the percentage between existing and potential was so skewed. It was 90-10, 80-20. 90, 10, 80, 20, they, 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 they stayed around that. And yet they're pouring so much money into initiatives uh, in, in hopes to increase the potential part from 10% or 20% to possibly 40%, but not knowing that the return on investment is coming back with 0%. Or if it comes back with 1%, it just comes back with 1% for that first month, and then the second second month it'd be 0%. And so they started to, uh, you know, they, 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 they were wondering to themselves why this is the case. And the, the, the reason why is because if you own a restaurant and I go to your restaurant now um, and you ask me at the end of the day if I like the service and the food and I said yes and you ask me to refer you to my friends and family, even if I said yes, how do you track that? You don't. <laughs> right? People are even if, scared to say that, too. Uh, yeah, JP referred me. They'd be like, who is JP? <laughs> right, right, exactly. And, and so, so, so how, do you, you know, how, do, how do you track that? I mean, because it's, it's very important, right? Because your potential customers is your growth as, as a business. Your existing is what maintains you. And so the fact remains there's no platform out there that can actually give them meaningful data that captures those sort of content. Well, fortunate for them, suggest that does. And so within that, we were able to create this subscription model 
based around the service and data that we're able to capture on the platform. And then from there, uh, we, we have actual traction, meaning uh, dollar sign. So That makes sense. I mean, uh, so are you guys just bootstrapped at this point or are you actually going through VC, Angel? Well, I mean, you're at Bunker Labs. Like, well, how did that all play out? Sure. So, so to answer your first question, we are currently fundraising. Um, we're we're actually fundraising out west uh, in in California, um, it, in Chicago, obviously, and uh, um, with with the Bunker Labs. What's what's awesome about them is that they literally just opened up a branch over here in Silicon Valley. And we're using that. We're using our connection through Bunker Labs, uh, you know, to make those network and to, you know, to connect with VCs over here in, in Silicon Valley, San Jose area, uh, you know, to pitch them our idea, to show them our financial model, to, to show them that we've got growth, um, you, you know, because, uh, yeah, we, we bootstrapped it in the very beginning. And when you're bootstrapping things, there's so many risks, um, you know, that you have to answer preliminarily and, um, you know, without having a solid financial backing, a lot of those risks, they float around, they, they stay. Uh, and, and the biggest one is, is obviously engineering risk mm -hmm. where, you know, Apple is continuously coming up with, uh, you know, different updates on their OS. Um, Android is doing the same thing where, you know, they're requiring all developers to migrate onto their new Android developer kits. Uh, any third-party kits um, won't be privy to the plugins anymore. You know, those sort of things, um, you know, we have to keep up with. And those are risks that we have to answer. But unfortunately, those risks, they cost money. So, so what are you guys going to do with the fundraising that you get? I mean, you guys seem to be making pretty good headway. Like, what, what is that going to go towards? Like, are you just... Are you currently only in the Chicago market right now? Are you guys looking to expand to other markets? What's what's kind of really the next steps for you guys? You've already seemed to be making a pretty good footprint here. Yeah, um, you know, in so sh Chicago has a massive gastronomic community. Uh, you know, we we are very fortunate to be in Chicago, a, a city that embraces the richness, um, you know, the different cultures that it houses, you know, in the, in there internally uh you know to focus elsewhere at the moment would be very silly for us to do um but that's not to say that we won't expand and scale into other cities one day once we capture obviously chicago uh you know and and, and we deem that we're ready to scale onto other cities and uh you know make our brand known there we would obviously do that and so a part of that funds that we're raising would go th would go towards um, you know answering the engineering risks so then that way once we are ready to scale out uh, you know into other cities those risks would have been mitigated the other thing too would be uh, you know co community relations risk um, so far right now there's only three of us uh, that are working on this two of which are part-time uh, because they've got full-time jobs um, you know, during the day. And, uh, so within that, um, because we, we started to understand that, you know, our process really requires, especially when our goal is to create more social conscious communities, that our focus 
should not only be in the development side or, or, or the revenue or the sales strategy side, but it, it also has to uh, bleed into the community side of the house where, you know, we're approaching it in a very grassroots approach um, where, where we're, you know, we're going, uh, you, you know, door to door talking to, you know, these different restaurant owners and, and just explaining to them what we are doing. Uh, and unfortunately, that takes up a lot of time. It takes up a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of resources on our end that we can't afford uh, to continuously do. So with those fundings, um, you know, it would go towards answering that risk through, you know, possibly launch events, um, you know, events where we can invite these restaurant owners into one single room and actually talk to all of them all at the same time as opposed to doing it one at a time. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, th- those sort of things. Right. And, um, you know, obviously personnel risks, uh, sales risks. Um, and so, uh, yeah, yeah th- that that's where those uh, that's where those resources are going to go towards. So you touched on it a little bit. Um, where, where do you kind of see the company in, in five years? Like you said, maybe expand to other cities. But is that that's kind of all in the docket for you guys right now? Or are you going to expand maybe industry or what are some other thoughts in that regard? Yeah. Um, you know, in, in five years, we, we definitely see ourselves, uh, you know, really expanding into, you know, multiple cities and and countries. Um, the goal is to capture Chicago, of course. Um, and from there scale out into other parts of the U S once we're able to achieve that, we look to capture Asia and Asia Pacific, uh, along with Europe and UAE We're we're hoping to, you know, realistically, uh, do that, you know, within, within five years. Um, you know, along the way, uh, you know, we're, we're also on track to creating our enterprise portal, uh, which would house, um, all business transactions, operations, and the standard processes. This would make our jobs a lot easier. It would streamline, um, you know, how we deal, how we do business, you know, with, with different restaurants and different businesses. And then from there, um, we have something cooking right now that would really change the landscape. And I quote, end quote, landscape <laughs> of the restaurants and the restaurant industry and how they acquire new customers. Um, I don't want to divulge too much information, but I would I would say uh, think Pokemon Go. That's a good one. Yeah, and so and, and then from there uh, we definitely definitely will occupy other industries outside of just cuisines. Um, one of the uh, one of the industries that we were in before, prior to going hyper focus, is the travel industry. Uh, we were actually talking to, you know, hotels like. Uh, IHG group and uh, the Sheraton group. Um, but because we knew that even though that that would have been very lucrative for us, uh, you know, to partner with those, those industries, um, we, we needed to really focus on our brand and, and, and create and, and build that, uh, you know, build that, uh, uh, that vision around who we are and establish that because, uh, we believe that if we, you know, spread ourselves way too thin that people won't really know uh, who we are and what we do as opposed to focusing on one industry and then from there doing it right 
and then scaling out and, and occupying other industries. It's so refreshing to hear someone that takes their five-year plan pretty seriously and pretty drawn out. A lot of people that I've talked to, like, you know, over the course of me being in the mobile app industry for the last couple of years is like, oh, we just want to like, you know, uh, build this app and then uh, next year just kind of like be a board member and hang out and, you know, just collect our money <laughs> I, in different words, but like it's essentially what they tell sure. me. I'm yeah. Like, you're, you're running a company, you know, like, I mean, I've literally worked for someone before that was like the president of our digital agency and he just, like, we were like a two-year-old company and he was already on like, you know, relaxation time, uh, seven days a week like maybe you log on at noon and log off at two it's like dude like we have like work to do like step <laughs> up <laughs> you know it, it, it's not all fun and games it's because like you know your dad is you know 60 and like worked hard for the last 40 years and is relaxing you know three days a week now doesn't mean right. you're like 23 can do that <laughs> right it's, it's that four hour work week right yeah i think people like misinterpret that book so much they think you just i, I think it. so too I think so too. It's all about delegation and knowing how to, you know, outsource properly. It's not the fact that the guy was only working four hours a week. We're know? talking about, uh, for everyone listening, we're talking about Tim Ferriss's book, The Four Hour Work Week. But yeah, it's, if you have any idea of like, Tim's work life schedule, is just like ridiculous. He does so much like during the day, but it's yeah. exactly what you're saying. Yeah. It's just delegating so you can get other things done that are like a higher priority to you. Opposed exactly. like sitting like wasting your time it's like, uh, I I mean whatever I'm like I'm like a consultant right now and so like I leave at like three or like four some days just because I don't want to sit there and serve a computer screen for two hours be like why are you pay me to be here yeah oh, I'll still do all my work but it's just yeah. like I'm not being productive right now I'm just gonna go home and like do something else for a while work on another project of mine and then log back on at like eight to ten and actually get my work done just. I totally agree. Absolutely. So you know, let's, let's, let's go back to SuggestApp though. What, uh, what's the best way for uh, people to uh, find out more about SuggestApp website? Uh, sure. Yeah. Yep. We have a website, uh, suggestat.com, uh, spelled suggesthat.com, uh, one T in the middle. Um, they can also go on the App Store or the Play Store. Again, it, that's suggestat uh, with one T in the middle. <clears throat> Perfect. Anything else you want to leave our listeners with before we sign off? Um, you know, I think I think I probably covered it, but you know, I, I I'm sure that you have a lot of uh, a lot of entrepreneurs that are your listeners and your audiences, so or or even potential uh, entrepreneurs or, or people that are looking to start their own company. But um, you know, if like like I said, you know, my my advice to any of them wanting to start a company, you know, just just answer, you know, the two two vital questions, um, which is, you know, how will your idea impact the world in a positive way? And, uh, you know, what, what is unique about your idea? And do you fall on the trend of what is happening around you? Or are you a lone ranger in this domain? You know, and if you can answer that with the most truthful answer, uh, you know, in a way that, you know, it's both transparent and honest, um, you know, I think you have something you have something there and, you know, don't fall into the idea of the social network movie where, you know, 
<laughs> it fast forwards into, you know, these guys having an awesome, you know, office space. Don't fall into that because, uh, you know, it does require a lot of grind. But, you know, if there's any fear out there or if you're scared, um, I think Travis Kalinick, the, the CEO of Uber, said it the best, um, you know, to to uh, uh, get over your fears and, and, you know, your fright, you just hustle. Hustle is the antidote. So take it from me. I, you know, yeah, I, I had to learn the hard way. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Well, yeah, we definitely do appreciate having you on the show. Thank you. Thank you very much. What a great episode with Jan. It's just so refreshing to see someone who takes building their app business so seriously. Everything's so drawn out. This guy, you know, we met a couple of days back, but just the tenacity I can see in his eyes when we first met and our communication since then, what we were talking about before we even started recording, just phenomenal. He took this interview so seriously, and I'm so excited for the growth of his company. I'm a huge foodie, obviously, so I've been using Suggest That like crazy. You probably see me on there. Feel free to add me as a friend on Suggest That after you download it in the iOS or Android store. But I am absolutely floored by how excited I am about this app. It will definitely revolutionize the Chicago food market for sure. This show is sponsored by Strange Food Chicago Fest. This is me, Chicago's first festival celebrating those quote-unquote strange things on menus around the Windy City. Guests will have the chance to sample out of the ordinary fare from over a dozen small local restaurants while sipping drinks provided by local breweries and distillers. We'll have rotating ethnic dance troops with the energy high and other entertainment will be added as the date gets closer. Countries held represented will include Laos, Malaysia, Syria, US, Thailand, Vietnam, Japan, China, Morocco, and more. It will be Sunday, November 6th from 1 p.m. to 4 p.m. Kids, definitely welcome. At, it will be location of Moonlight Studios at 1446 West Kinsey Street here in Chicago. For more information, check out the show notes, and I hope to see you there. If you haven't already, please subscribe to our podcast in iTunes, Pod Directory, or SoundCloud. That way, you'll get our latest episodes sent right to your device when they come out every week. For reference, those are all linked up right in the show notes. While you're in there, feel free to leave us a review. If you do, all I can say is two words. Endless gratitude. Writing reviews helps us understand how we can improve the podcast as we all continue along this fun adventure in fashion, fitness, and food. (laughs) 